Look at one scripture this morning, Romans 8, verse 28. This is a scripture I've had on my heart all week, so I thought I'd just say a few things about it. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, you and I, we're, we're tired and sick about half the time, aren't we? We grow weary of the duties and responsibilities that are upon us. And we weary of repetition. It seems that all things are the same every day. Your job, maybe, or mine. Yeah, I do have a job, so perhaps. And if we're not careful, we'll lose interest. We'll have no joy in life. And we'll be depressed and troubled. Family life may be distressing. Life is just full of problems. And we sometimes look like we've been vaccinated with pickle juice. We're so so downcast and and it's that way and I feel compelled to attempt to comfort you if you're in any trouble the Lord said in Isaiah 40 to his preachers said comfort ye comfort ye my people saith the Lord so one of my main jobs is to comfort you if you're in any trouble and I need much comfort myself. And just recently I encountered one of those awful downers, you know, that come to us all and nothing was good. My trials and perplexities had overshadowed all that was possibly good. And everything was working to bring doubts and fears. And for a while, I clean forgot about the rock of my salvation, our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been there? I'm sure you have. And then the gracious Lord brought me back to the great truth here that we have before us all things. And I didn't much believe that anymore, but he brought me back to a place where I saw the great truth that all things do work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together. 
I read a story that a man wrote telling what had happened when he was a, just a boy. And he wrote, when I was a little boy, my mother used to embroider a great deal, and I would sit at her knee and look up from the floor and ask what she was doing. And she informed me that she was embroidering. And I told her it looked like a mess from where I was. Because from the underside, I watched her work within the boundaries of the little round hook that she held in her hand. And I told her that it sure looked messy from where I sat. And she'd smile at me and look down and gently say, my son, you go about your playing for a while, and when I'm finished, I'll put you on my knee and let you see it from my side. And I would wonder why she was using some dark thread along with the bright ones and why they seemed so jumbled from my view. And a few minutes would pass, and then I'd hear Mother's voice say, All right, son, come and sit on my knee. And I did that, and I was surprised and thrilled to see a beautiful flower or a sunset. And I could not believe it because from underneath it looked so messy. And then mother would say to me, son, from underneath it did look jumbled and messy, but you didn't realize that there was a pre-drawn plan on the top. It was a design, and I was only following that design. Now look at it from my side, and you'll see what I was doing. And then he wrote this. He said, many times through the years, I've looked up to my heavenly father and said, Father, what are you doing? And he has answered, I am embroidering your life. And I say, but it looked like a mess to me. It seemed so jumbled and the threads... Why, why can't the threads all be bright? And my father seemed to tell me, my child, you go about your business of doing my business, and one of these days I'll bring you to heaven, put you on my knee, and you'll see the plan from my side. And so it is with our Heavenly Father. He has a great plan, and we don't see the plan from His side. We only see it from our side. But He said all things work together. What a glorious being our God is, who is able to make all things so work. 
there's a frightful amount of evil in this world, and that evil is in constant activity. And what an infinite number of creatures there are in the world. And what a vast army of rebels fighting against God. Hosts of superhuman creatures are always opposing the Lord. And yet high above all of that is God in undisturbed calm, the complete master of the situation. You have trouble? He's the master of it. And from his exalted throne, he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Every little minute detail. And so I say to you, brother and sister, you stand in awe then before this one before whom the scriptures say all nations are nothing and they're counted less than nothing to him. All things work. All things work. There is not a creature of God that fails to serve its designed purpose. Nothing is idle. Everything is working. And all are moved by the direct order of God Almighty. Afflictions seldom come one at a time. I found that so. Cloud rises upon cloud and storm upon storm. As with Job, one calamity follows another. And I'm not decided yet. I may talk about Job tonight. I've got a lot of things. I've gone back this week and read Job again. And I may want to tell you some things about Job this evening. But all things work together for good. And these words teach us that no matter what may be the number or how overwhelming, they all are good. And we marvel at God's mighty power which holds all the heavenly bodies in their orbits. Everything moves according to God in the orbits that they're in. And we wonder at the continually recurring seasons and the renewal of the earth. Spring and summer and fall and winter always fall one after the other by the design plan of Almighty God. And just like that, that's not nearly so marvelous as his bringing good out of evil. 
and making even the power and the malice of Satan to minister good to his children. All things work together for good. Not all things are good in themselves. But God makes all things work for our good. There are no accidents. Everything is subservient to God's eternal purpose in order to conform us to the image of God's Son. All suffering, all sorrow, All laws are used by our Father to minister to his elect people. If we could only get hold of that. And all of my downers this past week is because I have forgotten these things. And Shirley handed me a little article about Helen Keller. You know Helen Keller, her story. At the age of two, she contracted some kind of serious disease. She lost her ability to hear and her ability to see and her ability to speak. And down through the years, she had a dear lady that took on the job of helping her somehow come into these things. And Helen Keller says, I thank God for my handicaps, for through them I have found myself, my work, and my God. To them that love God, this is the mark of a true Christian. A hatred of God marks all the unregenerate people in this world. All the reprobate. A hatred for God. God's people may differ in minor details and in outward form. And their gifts and graces may be very unequal. Yet in this particular thing there is a sameness to them that love God. They love God. You love God. I love God. The same God. And we love him for the gift of the Savior. We love him for his holiness and his wisdom and his faithfulness. And we even love him for the rod that disciplines us. And there is nothing in God for which the saints do not love him. And they all know this. They love him because he first loved them. We all know that, don't we? There were days when I hated God. I despised God. And he came to me and opened my understanding and showed me that he loved me 
And all of a sudden, because of the merits of the Lord Jesus, I loved God instead of hated him. He didn't change, but I did. God always loved me. Back in my days of, of uh, hatred of him and despite to him, he loved me all the time. And he came and revealed it to me. And my prayer became, grant me, O Lord, a heart content to face each trial as it is sent, that I may see in all thy ways a love that governs all my days. Love for God, to them that love God. Oh, but I thought this week how little I love God, how little. And I began to mourn for my lack of love and my love of the world. And I often question whether I truly love God at all. But then I think of this, and you think of this. Is not my grief that I love him so little a sure evidence that I do not hate him? There is an evidence there. And once said this, love to God is a heavenly aspiration that is ever kept in check by the drag and restraint of an earthly nature and from which we shall not be unbound till the soul has made its escape from this vile body and cleared its way to the realm of light and liberty. I won't love God as I desire to love him until I'm freed from this, this body of death. And I go to live with him forever in his very presence. The scripture says who are called. Who are called. The word called is always applied to those who are the recipients of an inward call of the gospel. And it's always effectual. It was a call over which we had no control, either in originating it or frustrating it. We had nothing to do with it. Romans chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 Romans 1, 6 and 7. Among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ? To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the question for you, my dear friend, is this. Has this call reached you? Have you heard this call? Not with an audible, not, not an audible sound. Have you heard down in your heart of hearts this call? The called according to his riches and grace by Christ Jesus. 
preachers have called you. I'm asking each one of you. Preachers have called you. The gospel has called you. Your conscience has called you. But has the Holy Spirit called you from darkness to light and from death to life and from the world to Christ and from self to God? Has, have you been called by God? The called. Isn't that wonderful to be a part of the called? God called me. I used to substitute some in school. And they have a loudspeaker system. And one day, my name came up on that loudspeaker system. And guess what? I heard that immediately. I hadn't heard any other names that had been on there during the day, but when my name was called, I heard that. No one else paid any attention to it, but that was the one thing I heard. I heard my name called. And one day in all of my lost condition, I heard God call my name, not audibly, but in my heart. I knew that God had called me from darkness to light. How do I know he called me? There's only one way you can be sure of it. Do you love God? Instead of hating him, you now esteem him. Instead of running away from him, you now run to him. Instead of not caring whether your conduct honors him, now your deepest desire is to please and glorify Almighty God. Oh, if I could just please him in my life. Who are called. I'm one of the called. Have you been called? According to his purpose. Purpose. He's a God of purpose. Not according to your merits, but according to the divine purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, according to his divine purpose, his own purpose and grace. Why am I saved? It was his purpose to save me. The Holy Spirit tells us that we love God merely according to the sovereignty of God. Because he had a holy purpose. And we love him, we know him, simply because he chose for us to do so. Isn't that marvelous? I'm so grateful. And then I have these down spells. I'm ashamed. I stand before you ashamed this morning. And I thought, I looked over here at the train track and I said if I could catch one that's going slow enough, I'd just jump on and take off, see where I could go. But thank God he didn't let one slow down that much going by here. 
So I'm still here. You're still stuck with me. But I'm glad I'm here. The doctrines of grace which we believe and preach will cause love for God. They stir our affections. How shall we keep this love of God shining in our hearts? How are we going to keep this love growing and alive and and bright? Well, here it is, to remember those wonderful truths that give God all the glory and that move our hearts in thanksgiving unto him. 1 Corinthians 15, 2 will be a help in this. 1 Corinthians 15, 2. Remember, by which also you are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Keep it in memory. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. 2 Peter Chapter 3 and verse 1, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. How are you going to keep the love burning brightly that you have for God? Remember, remember all those wonderful truths that give God all the glory in salvation. That'll keep you in love with him. And it's then in going back in memory. And I've done this this week. Go back in memory to that hour when despite our wretchedness and utter unworthiness, God called us. And if we remember that, our affections will be kept fresh. It's by recalling the wondrous grace that reached out to a hell-deserving sinner and snatched you as a brand from the burning that your heart will be drawn out in adoring gratitude. Remember, it was due alone to the sovereign and eternal purpose of God that you were called when so many others are passed by. Your heart will stay in love with him if you remember that out of a thousand you were the one that was chosen out of all of that vast number. And he brought you to himself. If you remember that, your love will be deepened. The scripture says, we know. Do you know this? I know it's not that we merely hope, but that we are fully assured that all things do so work. And so I speak to myself, troubled soul, your much tribulation will soon be over. This is going to soon be over. And as you enter the kingdom of God, you'll then see, you'll look down at the embroidery that God has made. You'll see that all things did work together for your personal and eternal good. Oh, won't that be a sight? Then you'll know, even as you're known, and you'll see God's eternal, wonderful plan.
for your life, and you'll know that all things did work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. I encourage each one of you, you want to you want to make a Bible study, I encourage each one of you to study the life of Jacob. I've done that some this week and gone back and looked at the life of Jacob because each one of us closely resembled him. His feet were almost gone. And listen to what he said in Genesis 42, 36. Genesis 42, verse 36. 42, 36. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away, and all these things are against me. And you know the story of Jacob. His name means supplanter, and the word supplanter means to take by force. And when he was born, he was holding on to Esau's heel to take him by force. He lived up to his name when he was born. Jacob, the, the hand of God was on this man in an unusual fashion, and you you remember how he deceived his father and got the birthright and and his brother wanted to kill him and he had to leave home. But on his flight, God appeared to him. He met the Lord of glory and Jacob knew he had met God and when he lay there that night, and that ladder, he, was, he saw angels ascending and descending on a ladder into heaven, and he was afraid, and he said, God is in this place. And he went on and met the Lord that night, but then he had a lot of trouble. He had more trouble than you can even think about. From the time he left Bethel, trouble came. In the first place, he married wrong. He married Leah because of a plot by his father-in-law. And then later on, he married Rachel, and Leah had all the children, and that was all wrong. And then his father-in-law turned against him. They were in business together, and his father-in-law cheated him and Laban double-crossed him and then Jacob did a little finagling and prospered but he had to leave the country because of his father-in-law. His brother's after him, his father-in-law's after him and so he went and settled in a pagan place. He moved to the wrong town and moved to the wrong part of town but he was a big shot now and rich he was somebody, he had cattle, he had two wives and 12 children. And he went and settled in a place called Shechem and built a house on a hill and became a citizen of Shechem. Well, what happened there? Hmm. Things really went wrong. 
In Genesis 34, his daughter Dinah was assaulted by one of the sons of the king of the country. And he's in a mess. And then his sons killed the son of the king of the country. And he had to get out of town there. He had a division with his brother, a quarrel with his father-in-law, was in association with pagans who had turned against him. His sons brought shame on him and his name, and he feared for his very life. He's in a mess. I want you to study the life of Jacob if you want to see some trouble. He was in trouble. Everything had gone wrong. Have you ever been there where everything goes wrong? Everything goes wrong. I tell you back yonder before I knew the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm grateful to God. He made everything go wrong in my life. And then he came and revealed himself to me. And I now realize that all things do work together for good to them that love God, them who are the called according to his purpose. You believe that? You got any troubles? You have sorrow? You have family problems? But I tell you what, God is behind all of it. He's the author of it. And you look to him for your help. And I think perhaps he's going to bring me out of my latest downfall, and I pray that he does. And maybe I'll have sense enough to do what I need to do. May God bless you. Go and read this scripture. All things work together for good. And try to believe it. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. that all things do work together for good and I pray you'll take this this whatever I've said this morning use it for your glory may Christ Lord, be it exalted even in this service this morning I pray you'll bless these dear people there's some in the congregation who have great mental problems and and uh, Lord they just uh, beside themselves I pray you'll move on their behalf I thank you Lord for bringing us together here this morning may you give us your grace bring us back this evening to worship thee we pray in Christ's dear and holy name. Amen. God bless you.